You're listening to the Ecclesia of Noonan Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to show your support, find out more information, check out our website, ecclesianoonan.com. three months, four months, three and a half months, man. Uh, And so she is back, um, and so it's wonderful to have you back. Sooner than later, we'll have you um, talk to us about just everything that happened over there and uh, share with us so that we might know how we can more fully pray for the mission there and for you, okay? Um, So... uh, here we are, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Uh, we've taken a look at them. We're going to read them again. We're going to read them again to you. Um, I, uh, I'm a firm believer in the reading of God's Word. You know that um, by now. Um, it is uh, certainly breath to us. You know, when the Bible says that the, the grass... Uh, withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever, surely that means something, right? And so, uh, in good early church and synagogue fashion, we are going to uh, read it as, as, as much as humanly possible here, okay? Um, so Second Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, here again, these are the words of God. Now, this is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved, or friends, In both of them, I am stirring up uh, your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. So this is our task today, is to try to figure out what what this means, what did it mean originally, what does it have to do with you, what does it have to do with your relationships, uh, your marriage, your family, your children, your parents, your workplace, your boss, your employees, and perhaps most of all, your heart uh, and the glory of God. So that's 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 where we're looking to go here. Um, two simple points here, uh, if you're taking notes today. Point one is verse one, and that is, why do we need to be reminded? Why do we need to be reminded? And then point two is verse two, and that is simply, what is it that we need to be reminded of? Okay? So essentially... Uh, verse 1 is the why, why reminder, okay? And then uh, verse 2 is what? What is it that, that we need reminding of? Now, um, 
Everyone in here is familiar with God's word and the truth, and specifically the truths uh, that are mentioned here, specifically the return of Christ and holy living, which we'll find out in a moment. Um, But there is a difference between hearing something and intellectually ascending to something and having it possess your being. Does that make sense? To the point where it will steer your life. And I think that's really what Peter is is getting to. He has written a first letter to them uh, to talk to them about many different things, primarily holy living in 1 Peter, right? And uh, the confirmation of their own faith. Um, And now, uh, really, 2 Peter is an affront to false teachers and and all the collateral damage that's gone on with it, um, namely the idea that God is not a judge or he is not coming back to judge and there is nothing to worry about, uh, leading to um, a, a worldview which has, has damaged the early church, uh, leading to all, all, all kinds of issues and all kinds of problems. Um, Peter is serious about this, and in chapter 1, he has encouraged them uh, and shepherded them gently, as a shepherd and a father would. And in chapter 2, he has come out and he is using threatening warning. He is chiding them uh, and saying, hey, this is, this is nothing to mess around with here. This is no joke. And then he ends his letter here by sort of referring to it, say, he's sort of self-referencing and saying, hey, now let's, let's do this one more time. And the, the tone gets light, right? Again, he's, he's using encouragement. But the, the appeal that he's making here today, and that's what I've entitled today's sermon, is remember the prophets and remember the apostles. Remember the prophets and remember the apostles. Even Jude, the brother of Jesus, talked about in verses 3 and 4 in his own um, letter that our Christian faith has been delivered to us from them, prophets and apostles, once and for all. Once and for all, that there's nothing else that can be or should be. And now, there's, there are a lot of people that today think that they have special revelation from God. That is to say, they have something to add to God's word in terms of new truth. Uh, additionally, as bogus of a claim as this is, um, we have increasingly people who call themselves apostles and prophets. Um, let me just, um, without patronizing this sort of position, just give you the matter-of-fact definition of, of what a prophet is. A prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God and has received special revelation, and therefore can speak on behalf of God. Namely, beginning with Moses and the like. And they keep going, and they keep going, all the way through Malachi, right? Uh, An apostle, for the record, and you will see a lot of titles, apostle on signs or on business cards or on televisions. This is the definition of the word apostle. An apostle is someone who has seen the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand? The reason that Paul was the last apostle is because he saw him on 
the Damascus Road. There are 14 apostles, 12 plus Matthias who replaced Judas and the Apostle Paul. A total of 14, okay? It's included, it includes Judas, Judas Iscariot. Uh, in, in my humble uh, scholastic opinion, there are no more apostles left on the earth today. Now, you and I have an apostolic Christian tradition because our faith we got from the apostles, just like the apostles got it from the prophets, right? And and that's how that works. When you start meddling in with who is an apostle and who is who, who is a prophet, that's when you start getting cultish, right? You shake hands with men like Muhammad and out comes Islam, and you shake hands with men like Joseph Smith, and out comes the Mormon cult, et cetera, et cetera, right? So what Peter is trying to do is to point everyone back to the truth because uh, it, it, is, it is clear that they are uh, they're receiving propaganda from other people about what is God's truth and what is not. Now, here's the thing. You sitting here, you feel like you have a, a good hold, I, as I do, a good hold on what the truth is. But the reality of the situation is that uh, you and I could probably use a bit of reprogramming, couldn't we? Probably every day. Is that fair? And why is it that you and I need reprogramming uh, with Christian truth, right? Um, with simple doctrines like the return of Christ. Because while we would hold on to these things and hold them tight, Jesus Christ loves me and has died to redeem me. That's something that you can hold on to and grasp tightly. God is sovereign and in control of all things. That's another thing you hold on. Jesus is coming back again. Christ was virgin born and the only atonement for sin by way of his substitute. God's promises are true and must be true. God is good in everything that he does. God is a good and righteous judge. God is Trinity. All of these statements that I've just made are, are truths. But this is what happens in our lives. Um, we, we hold on to them, but as we go through life, at work, listening to the news, or that podcast that seems to sort of unthread our faith. Uh, it's not that we necessarily let go, but we do, in fact, loosen our grip on some of those. And when that grip gets loosened, normally it's happening unwittingly. Does that make sense? Like you're not fully aware as you're sitting in the driver's seat of your own life, in the theater of your life, realizing that I'm, I've loosened up on this doctrine. I didn't even know it. Um, if, if you're like me and you have a hard time practicing some good spiritual self-awareness, this is a real problem for you. Um, and I think probably all of us have that, right? That's the reason that Jesus told us to take the log out of our own eye before we start looking at somebody else's because we're experts uh, at spiritual ophthalmology in someone else's eye. But when it comes to ours, Captain Obvious, we can't see what's going on, right? That's the truth. Um, and... So the question for you and I today is, as we're going through this, which doctrine, which truth, and for, for these Christians, it's number one, holy living, uh, that's directly connected to the, the truth of God returning and judging the world. Um, that's the one that they've loosened up on. Which one, ha which one are you loosening up on? And this is probably a, a question best asked 
in with with good friends. And you're probably not going to answer it within the time limit of today's sermon. You're not going to have enough personal, reflective, heartfelt time to think, okay, what is this? But it probably would require some prayer um, and maybe some journaling, some meditation to say, how is it that my thinking has gotten steered away from this? Uh, Nine times out of ten, when I forget something, it is often because of something else that someone has said to me. Now, they might not be directly confronting a belief or a lack of a belief or even a behavior in my life, but they're saying something and it triggers something in me. This is just the way I operate, right, how it works with me. And then I think to myself, that's me. That's what I've done. Or it'll serve as a catalyst to get me thinking about something else. So in terms of your spiritual exercise today, how you can be a good listener and an active listener is recognizing that you too whilst not in the first century, while not in ancient uh, Asia Minor, do and, and are suffering from the same issues that they are, and that is loosening your grip, not letting go of, loosening your grip on doctrines of the Christian faith that have serious and damaging consequences to the Christian life. This is the point of per, uh, point uh, uh, of verses 1 and 2, particularly the target of verse 1 why we need to be reminded. Uh, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to, beloved, in both of them, both First Peter and Second Peter, I would, I would argue. I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Um, this, is, this is what Peter is wanting to do. Peter, with this, and this is not the first time he's talked about reminding. Right? He keeps talking about it. He is wanting to disrupt complacency. Disrupt complacency. When we talk about disrupting complacency or indifference, that is such typical spiritual pulpiteering, isn't it? I mean, it's just like, oh, can't we get past this? Um, but the truth is, is that we can't get past complacency. Um, when I think about complacency, I don't just think about uh, sort of my own spiritual devotional life. I think about that uh, sort of the tentacles of my spiritual devotional life that touch every area of my life. How am I complacent in the relationship with my child? How, am, how have I gotten complacent in the relationship at work? How have I got complacent in my relationship with my wife, right? And believe me, those indifferences, those apathies, and those uh, complacencies need to be disrupted, right? Um, and, and this is what Peter is looking to confront. He's saying, I'm wanting to stir up your mind. That's what I want to do. I'm going to get in there and, and, and get with it and say, no, this is actually not right. Um, this is uh, something that, that needs to be uh, considered. And, and, of course, he, he compliments them uh, when he talks about not just their mind, but he uses the word sincere. The word sincere here means good, uh, pure, and right. Good, pure and right. And this is not the first time in 2 Peter that he's even talked about reminding. As a matter of fact, um, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 through a passage that we have already preached through in verses 12 through 15. 12 through 15, he's talking about uh, being reminded. Now remember, this is not just a spiritual post-it note. This is not just intellectual assent to, oh, yeah, that is correct. It is a possession of something that you believe, right, where in, in zeal it sort of takes hold of you, steers your life, um, and, and it means something to you. It's consequential. You know, you believe these things, not just, oh, yeah, I believe that, 
but you say, I believe it, and I believe it, and it, it means something to the course of my life. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. He's just listed them off uh, prior to. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. I mean, those are almost identical words that he used there, didn't he? Um, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ is made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able uh, at any time to recall these things. Um, the, the idea here is reminder. Um, Christian community exists for 10,000 reasons, one of which is to serve as a constant reminder of good and true things. Uh, Christians are called to stir one another up uh, and or to help remember. And this whole theme uh, is, is very important. Later on in our own chapter, in chapter 3 here, um, next week we'll look at verse 5. And speaking of unbelievers, he says, and I quote, they deliberately overlook things. Uh, or in verse 8, he's referring to believers, and he said that they should not overlook. And then in verse 17, he says uh, believers should be on their guard. Peter, in effect, does not want believers to get discouraged, forget things, lose heart, and have their faith unsteadied. To the contrary, he wants them to stand firm in their faith, to clench those fists on uh, the fabric of God's truth uh, to where it oozes out of the pores of their lives. Uh, speaking of standing firm in faith and holding on to things that you believe, he ended his last letter, which he's already referenced here, uh, by uh, talking about Silvanus. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12, he says, By Silvanus, uh, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. Stand firm in it, he said. Um, so um, let's talk about what the Bible says about stirring up. The Bible doesn't talk a ton about stirring up in terms of Pauline sort of uh, theology or Pauline commands that this is what you need to stir up. Now, if you want to look at what, you know, stir up, there's plenty of that in the Old Testament as normally stir up is always negative in connotation, right? Um, but Paul does mention, excuse me, uh, it would be um, probably Apollos in Hebrews that we don't know, who says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, a very familiar verse speaking of the church, and he says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider or let us think about, plan, schedule, meditate on, strategize about how to uh, love, stir up one another to love specifically and to good works. And yet when I think about my life, I find that I'm not so good at stirring in that regard. As a matter of fact, when I look back on my conversations, sometimes I stir the wrong way. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm stirring up things that probably shouldn't be stirred up. 
ever noticed that in conversations, and if you know this about interpersonal, right? There, in every conversation, there is a host and there is a guest. Does that make sense? In a conversation, in every in every conversation, there is a host and there is a guest. Right? There is a person who is accommodating in the conversation, right? Sort of, almost as it were, within the context of that conversation, they are welcoming you, welcoming you into the home. They are sort of. Uh, making sure that you're accommodated within that conversation, they are sort of not placating you, but they are they're 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 wanting to make sure that you're tended to, right? And then there's the guest within the conversation, and all, and too often times, I find myself uh, being the guest um, and doing things wrongly in that role, or if I am the host in a conversation and I am sort of steering that conversation that I'm oftentimes steering and stirring in the wrong direction. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm pushing buttons, or if I find a button pushed, I'll push that further, right? If, if, if I'm hearing a person and our conversation is dominating in complaint rather than steering that conversation away from complaint or towards the goodness of God in our lives, which kind of takes away complaint from us, I'll stay on that track with them. Misery loves company, right? And so I'll stay there and off I go. This is not the kind of stirring that needs to happen in the Christian life, right? And this is certainly not what Peter is doing. Peter is wanting to do one thing. Peter's not stirring up their misery. He's not stirring up the misery of living under a false teacher or in this horrible Christian environment or the persecution that certainly they are feeling. He's wanting to stir them up and their sincere faith and heart by way of a reminder. As we're commanded over in Hebrews to stir up one another to, 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 to faith and good works. Paul told Titus in chapter 3 in verse 10, speaking of stirring up, as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing to do with him. That's, that's, that's a serious command. Wow. Right, For a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice again have nothing more to do with him. This is my question uh, to you. Uh, what, as, as a Christian, what are you stirring up in people around you within your conversations, within your, your phone conversations, your text messages, uh, your social media use? What, what what type of, is there a particular type of conversation as you begin to sit here with me now and recall that you tend to be in most of the time? And is that a good thing? Is it always going back to a same, that same subject? Uh, what role are you playing? So, a little, little side tangent as we look about stir, right? Probably not the main point, but certainly... Now, Peter wanting to stir up these people uh, to the truth, towards the truth, and towards good works as a result. Uh, here's the principle of verse 1. If you're looking to kind of sort of understand the whole verse, here's what it means. Just like Peter is writing 2 Peter as a reminder on top of 1 Peter, so should we put ourselves in a place to remember truths and the promises of God's word. Okay, so here's the principle, verse 1. Just like Peter is writing 2 Peter as a reminder from 1 Peter, specifically about the return of Christ, among other truths, so should we put ourselves in a place to remember truth 
in our lives. Which brings us to verse 2. So we've talked about, we've talked about why we need to be reminded, right? Um, now let's talk about exactly what is it that we need to be reminded of. That you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of our Lord and Savior through your apostles. I don't, uh, we don't talk a lot about uh, apostles and prophets in terms of, we talk about them, but we don't normally mention the words prophets and apostles. This doesn't get talked about a lot, right? And, and, and yet, um, they, they are the ones who have delivered the faith to us once and for all, right? As um, uh, they're, they're the ones who, who did it, right? Um, when we talk about the gospel in its strictest definition in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and following, um, Paul says, this is the gospel as you have received it, and he used the word specifically in that phrase, quote, in which you now stand, right? And so uh, these, these men have transmitted to us faithfully who God is. This is God's, uh, God's revelation to the world. Um, their role and their office is quite important. So important that Paul said in the letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 20, that the church is built upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, that the church is built upon the foundation of the prophets and the apostles. So, by Peter, him, he himself being an apostle as well, bringing up prophets and apostles is really important. But this is what he's wanting to do. He is wanting to say, hey, you need to remember where truth comes from. And of course, from him, for him, uh, the prophets represent God's word. So the Old Testament canon has been closed in Peter's day. Okay, And he is saying, hey, uh, you need to know that everything that they said is right and good. And what he's trying to uh, remind them of is, hey, God's word means something and the truths in it mean something. I know that these guys are saying this, this, and this, namely that Christ is not a judge, and if he is a judge, he's not coming back, so what does it matter anyway? Uh, but consider what they told us and taught us. Now, um, when it says that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets, the question is, what is, what is exactly being referenced here? And what's being referenced when he says, you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets, is this. Prophets are always talking about three things, Okay. They're talking about the end of history. Prophets are. They're talking about the end of history. They're talking about the day of judgment. And they're talking about the salvation of our great God. They talk about those three things. Okay? One more time. They talk about three things. They talk about the end of history, number one. They talk about the day of judgment or that judgment is coming. And number three, they talk about the salvation of our great God. Now, they may talk about those things in sort of various ways, but that's what they talk about. And what he's wanting to say is those predictions have been made and they will come true, right? He's, 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 he's putting that out there. Um, and, 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 he's, and he's wanting to put that authority with the apostles, put that authority with the prophets, and then point people towards God's word, right? As these men clearly speak, from God, speak for God. Um, and uh, and here's, here's the thing. You and I have the apostolic record right here. You've got it. Some of you got it on your phone. Some of you got it in your lap. Uh, and, and you have the prophetic word delivered to us. This is it. It has great authority. 
uh, it, 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 it uh, speaks for God. It's not for naught that we say these are the words of God, right? They are rooted in absolute authority. Um, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, But as for you, continued in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been equated with the sacred writings or scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, uh, our, our verses really sound a lot like Jude, chapter, uh, Jude verse 17. Uh, if you're close to Jude, you can turn there with me and read verse 17. It says here, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. You, beloved, uh, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life and have mercy on those who doubt. Amen. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. As the prophets predicted, so the, the apostles preserved the word of God, right? Um, so so w what is it that they need to be reminded of? They need to be reminded of specifically the record of God's word. Um, and the prediction that the prophet, prophets have made specifically is about the fact that, yes, Jesus will return. God is a good judge, and he's going to return. Uh, more specifically, in addition to God's word, right, he's just wanting to say, hey, this is the, this is the second coming of Christ. Um, and the Bible talks about it over and over and over and over again. Here are a few places that it does. Acts chapter 1. Verse 11, <clears throat> Acts chapter 1, verse 11, and uh, said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This is at the ascension. Uh, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. In Jesus' own words, in his own record, in his teaching on Thursday night, in John chapter 14, uh, verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. I will come again. I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Um, here's the thing. Uh, there are 27 books in the Old Testament. And there are 27 books in the New Testament, excuse me. 23 of those books directly reference the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. 23 of them, of the 27. Two allude to it, but do not specifically come out and say it. The only two who have no mention or reference to it whatsoever are Philemon, which is a slave letter, uh, and Third John. That's it. Which is arguably one of the shortest books in the New Testament. Every single letter, every single genre, apostolic, history, gospels, Pauline correspondence and mail, all of it. 
They're, they, 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 all, they all say this. And, and so why is it such a bedrock truth for us? Because it's talked about so much in the New Testament. We can't get away from it. You have to throw out the Bible if you're going to get rid of the, the, the second coming of Christ and just, hey, live how you want to, when you want to. No one's coming back, right? No one's coming back to judge you. The prophets were wrong. No one's coming back. The end of history, all that trouble of law. The judge is coming, the great salvation. Just forget all that. That's not happening. He's wanting to stir them by way of reminder and say, don't forget. And here's the thing. As much secular humanism and all of its complexities that are coming at you, you need to constantly have yourself saturated in God's word. My nine-year-old, as wonderful as she is, is not too young uh, to have her mind saturated in God's word. Because you know what? She gets a steady diet of everything else but God's word a lot of times, right? Um, so there, there, is, there is not a Christian or an age or a person or a maturity around that should not have this front and center. But here's the thing, Andrew, I don't live, I don't live in the assumption that my thinking needs to be reprogrammed. I just don't. I get up in the morning, and generally I think I've got it together. Does that make sense? Um, rather than having a sober mind and being on guard, right? Um, which are, are things that are increasingly important. Let's look at the last part of, of verse 2 in here and see what, what he's talking about. He says here, uh, the phrase here is, and the commandment of our Lord and Savior uh, from the apostles. This this holy commandment, this is not talking about the prediction of Christ's return. This is talking about holy living. So he's mentioning two things. Hey, don't forget the predictions of the uh, of the prophets that, in fact, Jesus is coming back, there will be an end of history, the day of the Lord, etc. But also, the holy commandment of our Lord. And, and, and which holy commandment is Peter referring to here? This is the second time that he's talked about uh, the commandment earlier, he references it as specifically the holy commandment. It's not, and this is my opinion, uh, as we don't have a manual, right? It is not a list of do's and don'ts. Hey, take these this list of do's and don'ts and just go along with yourself, will you? Go. Do all these things. It is a general idea of the Christian following the life of Christ, ergo, becoming conformed into the image of Jesus, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, day by day by day. That is holy living, which is precisely uh, what these false teachers are letting go. Not only the doctrine, but the behavior that goes with the doctrine that is inevitably t attached to the doctrine, right? God's not coming back. I get to do what I want. He's saying Jesus is coming to back. Live holy lives. That's what he's saying. That these, this truth and this behavior are, um, they're, they're inevitably um, uh, entwined together. Or as R.C. Sproul once beautifully put it, and quite simply, our beliefs dictate our behavior. And this is certainly the, the case, right? Um, earlier in his first letter, in 1 Peter chapter 15, verse, uh, excuse me, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, but uh, as he called, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So the very holy living that these false teachers are ignoring, 
um, is not only commanded, but it's exampled through the lives of Jesus and his apostles. What's what's the principle here for for, for uh, verse 2? Pointing to the word of God as truth, if you're taking notes, pointing to the word of God as truth, Peter ultimately points to the second coming of Christ. Peter ultimately points to uh, the second coming of Christ to help believers live in the light of eternity. To help believers live in the light of eternity. Pointing to the word of God as truth, Peter ultimately points to the second coming of Christ in order to help believers live in the light of eternity. Um, so, what truth do you need to be stirred up towards? You know, there's there's a wonderful thing about intimacy and relationships, and that is it 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 gets honest. The word intimate means secret, right? It's the reason that this door is locked, right? It's because it's where my wife and I reside, right? So our children generally don't come in here. Right? This is our space, our room, our marriage, our relationship. It's secret. That's what Jesus said, fast in secret, pray in secret, give in secret, so that your heavenly Father will see. He's talking about intimacy, right? That kind of intimacy uh, is needed between believers for you to see and be honest enough with one another to say, these are the beliefs that I'm loosening on. That takes real honesty. That takes real trust. It takes real faith. It takes real closed-door conversations with one another, right? Maybe between a husband and wife, maybe between two friends, to say, you know, th- this is where I have, t- I have tended away from this truth for decades, for years, for months. This is where, this is where I found. Uh, no one generally knows where our minds wander when we are, when we are doubting or loosening our grip on these things, but you should love Christ enough and trust the church enough to have those consequential conversations to say, this is where my mind goes when it shouldn't, and I need you to read to me the truth, ask me about where I'm at, uh, to this end of knowing what it is that I'm loosening my grip on. I think that you can look around you probably and see, as I've said before earlier, this morning, see where others have loosened their grip better than you can see your own. You see how that happens? We can look at another life, we can analyze a life from our own seat and look at what's going on with them and we can see that more readily than those truths that that God has placed there. So I want you to pray. I want you to ask the Lord to speak to you and to give you help and self-awareness about, about this, you know. And here's the thing. Praise be to God. Um, some of you, you you're, you're, not, you're not letting go of things, right? You're holding tightly, um, and, and that's a good thing, right? Uh, but this, this sermon, this truth, certainly this application demands demands real honesty about sort of where we're at. And, and, and never, never forget this. Doctrine 
uh, and, and the lack thereof leads to disaster. And in a church culture that doesn't believe so much in the importance of theology, Andrew, let me just make this statement. Every Christian needs more theology, never less, never. In, 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 a, in a culture that says, you know, it's just about the relationship. I couldn't agree more. But that relationship is predicated on truth. It's predicated on it. It goes nowhere without theology. Right? You're asking me to be in a, in a marriage with someone who has no idea about that person. Theology tells me who, who my uh, significant other is in this relationship, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So um, let me encourage you to that end. Um, we're going to have, we're going to take the Lord's table uh, today. I'm going to ask um, Andrew and Pat, if you guys will serve us, we've got the, um, the gluten-free stuff that we need to take care of. Too. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to take the Lord's table today. I hope that you're encouraged uh, by it. Um, as we take, I encourage you to come confessing and joyful and wide-eyed looking at the great things that God has done for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your great grace for us. We thank you for our, uh, you commanding uh, the church, and we thank you for our family of faith. We thank you for your truth, which hymns in our soul, which makes ready our mind, uh, which teaches us about you. And so I pray that you would um, keep us, Lord, in the shadow of your wing um, with your truth that your spirit would be, uh, as in John 14, the reminder that you've promised to be for us, that um, we, would, we would have all things in that regard. Now, as we come to this table, God, I pray that the believers uh, in the room would come um, confessing and happy, joyful, uh, whilst broken at the great love uh, that you have shown to us uh, through your death. Uh, and so we thank you, God, uh, for you giving to us uh, death for death and life for life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Ecclesia of Newton Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to show your support, find out more information, or hear more like this, check out our website, ecclesianewton.com.